0: I wish to begin with a little ceremony of mutual recognition. Uh, So I, I request that each of you say your first name, and then after you say your name, everyone will say your name. Ready for that? Catherine. Carol. 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 EJ. 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 Brenda. 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 Alex. 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 Jacob. 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 Did you say her name? Jeff. 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 Laura. 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 Sue. 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 Yoko. 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 Itai. 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 Karen. Karen. Karen.
1: Luke. Luke.
0: Emily. Emily. Leah. Leah. Tchau. I offered a kind of a title of uh, the teachings for this session. I don't know if you noticed, did you? What was it? What did you notice? (laughs) Would you like me to remind you? Something about friendship and Zen practice. Um so that's my the theme of the of the teachings I'm offering this year is about friendship and um Zen practice so quite a while ago i I heard a story about the historical Buddha, Shakyamuni. And um, I was impressed by the story at that time. And recently, it's come back to me much more strongly. It's from a scripture. uh, And the name of this scripture is half, the half scripture. And it goes something like this. The Buddha was uh, sitting someplace and his uh, attendant came to him. His his attendant's name was Ananda. Ananda came to the Buddha and bowed to the Buddha and maybe he walked around the Buddha three times, and sat to one side. And then he said, this good friendship Admirable friendship, Um, good companionship, is half the holy life. But I like that he started off by saying this, in other words, him being there at that moment in that way with the Buddha. This, and what is this? This good friendship, this good companionship, this admirable camaraderie is half the Buddha way. And the Buddha said to his uh, attendant, don't say that, Ananda, don't say that. good friendship, good companionship, good camaraderie, is the entirety of our life together. By, by relying on good friendship, good companionship, admirable camaraderie. By relying on that, one will be able to practice the way of enlightenment. And then he says, at the end he says, by relying on me, As a good friend, as a good comrade, as a good companion one will be able to practice the way of Buddha. Sometimes when you notice something that's been around for a while um, and you notice it in a new way, you start to see it everywhere. Like if you, if you get a, a fiat, you start to see fiats everywhere. I don't see I don't see fiats here in Brooklyn too much. But now, in the other side of the continent, there's lots of
1: fiats,
0: (laughs) especially the little ones. Little, quite small. Smaller than a mini. There's lots of minis out there, too. I don't know why you don't have fiats here. It seems appropriate, because you have parking problems, right? Anyway, now my wife got a fiat, so now I see fiats everywhere. I think there actually are more fiats, but now it just seems like everywhere there's fiats. So now I see friendship in the teachings everywhere, as the, the whole of the, of the life is friendship. Uh, sometimes you may look at Zen practice and and you may see it as, um, for example, I'm sitting here paying attention to this po- my posture and paying attention to my breathing and looking inward, as the admonitions for Sashin said, looking inward to the true nature of mind. That's one way to that we talk about, practice, right? Look inward. Study the self. And to study the Buddha way is to study the self. Which is true. It is. But it may not be clear that studying the self is friendship. And it may not be clear that in order to study yourself in the way that is the Buddha way, you study the self as friendship and in the context of friendship. So to me now, I'm looking at studying the self as friendship. Zen practice as studying the self, as, Zen pra- as friendship. And so this week I will try to demonstrate lots of examples of friendship in the, in the tradition. So, the, starting with the Buddha and his attendant, Ananda, Ananda says to the Buddha, this friendship is half the practice and the Buddha says to Ananda, this friendship, this good friendship is the entirety of, of our life together. And they are demonstrating their friendship. That Ananda comes to the Buddha and pays his respects, expresses himself to the Buddha. The Buddha responds to him. They're friends, of course. We also know. I think most people. I think well, in Zen, uh, the teacher-student relationship is very important, but it isn't always talked about as the good friend, and the good friend. The term good friend is not so commonly used in the Chinese and Japanese and Korean Zen tradition or in the Western transmission of it. But when people start hearing that, it starts to make sense to them. Another uh, big um, support to this kind of attention to friendship is um, one of the major scriptures, perhaps the largest scripture in Buddhism, is called the Flower Adornment Scripture. In a way, it's actually a collection of a number of scriptures, <coughs> and um, recently a woman said to me, "I really appreciate the stories you tell, but uh, they're mostly about men. Uh, I, w- I would you tell some, tell me, tell us more stories about women." So I I went to the. Did I say Avatamsaka Sutra? Yeah, I went to the Flower Dharma Sutra, which is called also Avatamsaka Sutra, because I remember that in the last chapter, which is actually a large scripture, and it's the name of the scripture is Entering the Realm of Reality, the Gandavyuha Sutra. In that scripture, There's a long story, which actually has many stories in it, um, about a young man who meets the great Bodhisattva, Manjushri, who is on the altar in Zen meditation halls usually. For example, here on this altar you have the, the Buddha, and in front of the Buddha is Manjushri Bodhisattva. Manjushri uh, is the Bodhisattva, oftentimes representing perfect wisdom. Manjushri means um, sweet splendor or sweetness and light. So, this young man, along with a bunch of other people, Meet this great bodhisattva, and in the meeting with the great bodhisattva, in that meeting, in that friendship, this boy, this boy experiences the arising of the wish to realize complete, perfect enlightenment. He just, he really, he really feels that he wants to do that in order to benefit all living beings. And then coming along with this very strong wish, which he tells to Manjushri, he then also uh, utters a long and amazing poem expressing his joy in wishing to live this life. And then he says to Manjushri, well, if I want to live this life, life I probably would be good for me to get some instruction about how to do it. And Manjushri says, yeah, it's good. It's good that you want to realize enlightenment. And it's good that you want to have some instruction about how to do it. So, you should go see the good friend, the, the, um, the beneficial friend, Mega, who lives in such and such a place. And so um, this young boy cheerfully says goodbye to the great teacher, the great good friend, Manjushri and goes to see Mega. As he's traveling, he's very happy, though, because he's thinking about the teachings he received from Manjushri and his great wish. And he's going off to see this good friend. And then this happens again 52 times, that he goes to the, to the teacher, and the teacher um, gives him teachings, and then the teacher sends him to another teacher, or the good friend. Actually, they don't say teacher. They say over and over, beneficial friend, good friend. He visits 52 good friends. The reason why I um, went to this was because a lot of these good friends are female. Um, and a lot of, and a number, some of these females, some of these female good friends can also be females of various species. Whatever species is, is uh, most helpful. They can adopt that species. And so, I've uh, I've been contemplating this, this wonderful path that he went on of visiting one good friend after another. And the nature of that friendship, which I may be I may be able to share some of the stories. But each story, some of the stories are, you know, very long, and there's 52 of them. So I probably will not be able to share very many of them with you. Maybe not even one. But the the impact of it is. The key factor in this whole scripture is good friendship. It's about good friendship. It's about how this boy is a really good friend and how he visits all these good friends and how all these good friends send him to other good friends and how he departs from one good friend full of joy with what he received, going to see another good friend and so on. It's a very uh, It's just like a stunningly wonderful depiction of joyful friendship. But it's the type of joyful friendship which is conducive to enlightenment. It's not a friendship which is conducive to, I don't know what, attachment and possessiveness. And uh, biases and things like that. It's a it's a friendship which opens beings up to caring for all beings. So that has also sort of uh, supported me to look at the Zen tradition as basically a uh, another version of the life of visiting teacher after teacher, of visiting friend after friend, and to see all the Zen stories in, in the context of friendship. In the chant, which we just did, which is in Japanese, it's the Jap- it's actually Chinese characters, but the Japanese pronunciation is Eihei Koso Hotsugamon. Eihei Koso is the name of a, of a monk who lived in, Ch- in Japan in the 13th century. His name is Eihei Dogen, and Koso means high priest, lofty priest. So Eihei Koso is the ancestor Dogen. And this is his own personal Hotsugamon. Hotsu means to give rise to, and gan means vow, and, ver- and mon means verse. So it's his verse that he wrote to encourage the, arous- the arising of the vow, the vow to realize enlightenment and help all beings Realize enlightenment together, and in the vow you may have noticed, and you can see again five times more or so that um, it's the vow is about relationship. It's about relationship between us and the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, about how we how we. Uh, share our practice with them and how they help us. How they share their practice with us and how we help them. It's a, it's, it's a vow about entering that space of friendship. And particularly, it's, it's making the point that by revealing and disclosing our lack of faith and practice, or our lack of faith in practice before the Buddhas, that this this revealing and disclosing melts away the roots of getting distracted from the path of wisdom and compassion. But it's not just revealing and disclosing it, it's revealing and disclosing it in the presence in relationship. And so I'm, I'm suggesting that this is, a, this is a what do you say? This is a method of verified Buddhas. This is the method of friendship. Part of friendship is to reveal your lack of practice to a friend. To a good friend. It's, uh, it's possible. Um, I was just thinking that in some cases you might not be able to reveal some shortcomings in your practice to some immature people. But in, like, a chi- like a young child, you might not be able to tell them. About some of your shortcomings because they might not be mature enough to understand what you're talking about. But there's some other shortcomings that you might be able to share with them. Like, um, I'm sorry I lost my patience with you. I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. I wasn't pay- I wasn't, I was distracted. I'm sorry. Mommy's sorry. Daddy's sorry. Granddaddy's sorry. Your friend is sorry that he was inattentive or impatient. There's some other aspects of practice which a child might not understand. So maybe you wouldn't tell them. but not because you're trying to hide it from them, but because uh, they just may, it might not be helpful. I don't, I don't know, actually, about other people, but I think sometimes I have not thought that uh, confessing and repenting was part of good friendship. But today, I think so. I'm bringing this up so that every time that we chant this, you have a chance and I have a chance as when we chant this arousing of the vow verses to look at how this is friendship and how it's the type of friendship which the ancestor Dogen vows to practice. From this life on, throughout countless lives, he vows to hear the true dharma. Vowing to hear the true dharma is also vowing to practice good friendship. It's in the context of practicing good friendship that you can hear the true dharma. When you hear the true dharma, you practice good friendship. When you practice good friendship, you can hear the true dharma. And when you hear the true Dharma, uh, you will renounce worldly affairs and maintain the Buddha Dharma. And the whole earth and all living beings together will attain the Buddha way. And what are the worldly affairs that you renounce? Well, you renounce not being friendly, you renounce um, believing that you're separate from other beings. A fundamental worldly affair is to believe that you're separate <coughs> from others. When you hear the true Dharma, you you renounce the view that you're separate. You renounce belief that the that your friendship with other beings is your life. You renounce getting distracted from good friendship when you hear the true Dharma. Another chant which I asked us to recite during this retreat we'll be doing at noon service. And that's a, and that text is called, in, in, your, in your book do you call it Self receiving and employing? What do you call it? Is that what you call it? So it's called the self receiving and and employing samadhi. Is that what it says? So it's a, it's a it's describing a state of a state of meditation. And the description is a description of good friendship, I would say. However, uh, however, it says in the text. It says, however, all this that's just been described does not appear within perception. So it's a description of good friendship, but not a friendship that necessarily appears within perception. So what I'm suggesting to you, before you chant it in an hour or so, that this text is describing a dimension of friendship that is inconceivable, that is is imperceptible, but that nonetheless is reality. It's describing the reality of enlightenment in which we're all helping each other. And we're not all helping each other get distracted. Well, actually, when we're distracted, we're helping each other be distracted. (laughs) But it's also showing how, even if we help each other be distracted, we're also helping ourselves each other, teach perfect wisdom, and turn the great wheel of the truth. We're, all, we're doing that all day long, our whole lives, and the Buddha's teaching is to help us to wake up to that inconceivable realm of mutual assistance. Teachings are offering us practices so we can open our wisdom eye to the inconceivable way that we're assisting all beings to become free. So that's that meditation on that is called, um, again, self-receiving and employing concentration or samadhi. And in the Soto Zen School, that awareness is sometimes called the criterion of the Zen meditation. At at the beginning of the chant it says, sometimes, how does it go? All Buddhas and ancestors who have maintained the Buddha Dharma have made it the true path of enlightenment to sit upright in the midst of this awareness. So the practice of sitting is the practice of sitting in the middle of this friendship. It's the practice of sitting in the middle of an inconceivable, immeasurable world of friendship, the self-receiving and employing samadhi. It also says, in the, towards the beginning of this text, it says, just wholeheartedly sit. And that's a very familiar thing in Zen. Just wholeheartedly sit. And the next part is not so familiar. And drop off body and mind. Dropping off body and mind one becomes free of all obstruction and delusion. And one enters into realizing that everything is enlightenment. So we don't just wholeheartedly sit. When we wholeheartedly sit, we renounce worldly affairs. We renounce all obstruction to (laughs) peace and freedom. And the part that I'm emphasizing, which I haven't mentioned yet, is that it says before that, it says, from the first time you meet a master, just wholeheartedly sit, and thus drop away body and mind. From the first time you meet a good friend, just wholeheartedly sit, and thus drop away body and mind. Enlightenment occurs When you live wholeheartedly, when you sit wholeheartedly, when you stand wholeheartedly, when you walk wholeheartedly, when we do that, body and mind drop away and the whole earth becomes enlightenment. But it happens in the context of meeting a master. It happens in the context of meeting a friend. And it's not just that there's a friend there, it's that you meet the friend. Some people met the Buddha and didn't notice that they met a friend. Some people met the Buddha and didn't believe the Buddha was a friend. So they missed the friendship. So they didn't wholeheartedly sit and drop away body and mind. And even the Buddha could not make it clear to everybody that she was their friend. Sometimes she would say, I'm your friend, and people wouldn't believe it. So it's not a one-sided thing. Even though somebody may be totally devoted to be your friend, you may not be in the mood. (laughs) So then you say, you know, I don't see friendship here. I don't want friendship right now. Leave me alone. I got enough problems. So the Buddha says that. Says, the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas are totally there to be everybody's friend. But some people are not ready for it. So part of what I wish to do is to make us more and more ready for this friendship so we don't miss the opportunities that are being offered. Uh, We have a schedule for this retreat, and uh, part of the schedule is to have lunch which is very important to many of us. Because um, part, part of the practice of Buddhism among humans is to eat lunch. So at some point, the kitchen people are going to leave to make lunch. And at, how many? when are you going to go, kitchen workers? We're going to service begins. When service begins, you can stay till then? Okay. So, and how far how far away is service now, in terms of time? Um, Thirty-five minutes. Thirty-five minutes. Okay. So another kind of uh, contextual offering at, at the beginning of this of these teachings is that again, the, the ancestor Dogen said, and he, didn't, he got this from China, he said that when we're doing our practice like sitting or like uh, uh, receiving the bodhisattva precepts um, and going for refuge in the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha, we do these practices. that the, the actual benefit of these wholesome practices um, occurs in the context of what's called, I'll translate it in English, the crossing of the paths of inquiry and response. So I would say it happens in the context of friendship. Friendship is where um, the paths of request and response cross. Where the path of, could I talk to you? Yes. May I say something to you? Yes. Would you please come over here? Yes. Those kinds of interactions where there's a request and a response in those kinds of rele- meetings is where the practice realizes its import and its function the uh, there isn't a scripture about this and uh, so I'm talking about this to elaborate what is mentioned here and there about this spiritual <coughs> communion or uh, this this friendship between the Buddhas and living beings between living beings and Buddhas. And uh, one of the I don't know what the word to use is. One of the most beneficial of the Chinese Buddhist teachers, his name was Jiri. He lived on a mountain called Mount Tiantai, and a school of Buddhism called Tiantai arose from his teachings. He taught that there were four aspects of this um, spiritual communion or spiritual friendship. One aspect is I would say totally completely inconceivable, where the where the request is imperceptible and the response is imperceptible. Next kind is where the request is is perceptible but the response is imperceptible. Next kind is, the response is perceptible, but the the request is imperceptible. The third kind is, the request is perceptible and the response is perceptible. So, Zen stories are about are about when somebody makes a request and they don't think they got a response or somebody gets a response and they don't think they made a request <laughs> or where somebody thinks they made a response and got made a request and got a response there's Zen stories about all four of those all three of those types And there's stories about where the, where the person thinks they made a request and didn't get a response. And then, they, and then they say, I made a request and didn't get a response. And then the response they get shows them that they had got a response that they didn't notice it. There's many stories about, I've been asking you, I've been asking you and you never give me a response. And, and uh, the friend says, I always give you a response. And, uh, the, the first friend says, well, how? And then the second friend says, how? And they see it. There's always a request, and there's always a response, but we don't always see that we got a response. And again, sometimes we get, re- this is even the hardest one, actually, is we get a response and we say, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. So. The New Yorker is full of those. <laughs> you know, or people are saying, I didn't ask for this. When, you know, there's lots of New Yorker cartoons about people, on the, you know, at the gates of heaven or already they're in heaven and they, I did not ask for this. <coughs> those are the cartoons. and then the, And then the articles are about, they did ask for it. And then there's also happy stories about where somebody says, I asked for help and I got it. I wanted the teaching and my friend gave it to me. There's those stories too. But really they're all like that, it's just that we can't see. So fundamentally, the the, the reality that the Buddha wakes up to is that we are assisting each other. And we're even assisting each other when we don't see that we're assisting each other. And we can we never can see that realm but we can realize things that we can realize an inconceivable truth. The Dharma is basically inconceivable but it comes into the realm of the conceivable because in the realm of the conceivable is where we suffer, is where we think. This is a bad situation and that's true. And then we cling to that. Or this is a good situation we think and we cling to that. And then we either case if we cling to either one of those stories there's stress and the stress can lead to fear etc. The teacher's coming in there to help us realize that these stories are stories and teach us how to deal with them in a way that we can realize (coughs) friendship and in the friendship we can wake up to reality without disturbing the stories at all, but by opening our eyes to the true Dharma. So I'm kind of Offering that as a, uh, yeah, as a kind of template of different realms of friendship, and the chant at noon service is about the basic one that's inconceivable. About how, when you sit in this, when you sit in this awareness, you join this, you participate in the way all things are doing Buddha's work. You join Buddha's work when you enter this concentration and all this way that you're, the way you're constantly, uninterruptedly doing Buddha's work, that's inconceivable and the way other people are, are doing it is inconceivable. But nonetheless this is an ongoing reality which is available for us to enter at all times. And from that place we can participate in the other versions of friendship where I think think you asked something of me and you don't think you did. I think I've asked something of you and you don't think I did. And I think I asked something of you and you do think I did, but you don't want to give it, etc. All these different dimensions of friendship are really emerging from this fundamental peaceful realm of harmony into consciousness. And in consciousness uh, is where we practice with them and learn how the stories are doors to reality. And we need to be practicing friendship in order that these stories turn into doors to reality. So now I make a request. My request is for you to respond. And you may not know that you, re- you made a request for me to respond by making a request. But I wouldn't be making this request for you to respond if you didn't make a request of me, even if whether you know it or not. <laughs> You, you requested me to ask you to respond to what I've been saying. And you and you are responding. But if you'd like to respond in addition verbally, you're welcome to do so. Yes. Thank you. Anything more? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I found myself wondering, after you said that Zen stories were about three of the four types of... Uh, I found myself trying to see if I could find the Zen story that was about the fourth type, where the request and response are not evident.
0: Do
1: you have any such in mind? Or?
0: Well, like the thing we chanted new in service, you could say, well, that's a story about the inconceivable. Mm-hmm. But it's, 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 it's not the inconceivable. So at noon service you will hear a story told by an ancestor about the inconceivable realm. And then he says to you, by the way, all this stuff I'm telling you does not appear within your perception of what I just told you. So when you hear hear a story about how we're helping each other, that's not how we're helping each other. That's a story of it. But the Buddhas say... The Buddhas tell the stories. The story they tell in the conceivable realm, where I can hear it and you can hear it, and I can read it and I can say it, is about helping. It's not about how we don't help each other. Actually, it's about how, in our dreams, we don't help each other. So there's a realm at which no story reach reaches.
1: So when you um, find that as. Uh that situation in which the request is not evident or perceptible and the response is not perceptible, that's the realm that we're referring to. Yeah. So there wouldn't be stories of students yeah. and teachers enacting that.
0: That's right. The stories of the student teachers are stories of consciousness. They're stories of where there's a self. They're stories of studying the self. And where there's a self, there's stories. The realm realm of consciousness is the realm where we tell stories about the self, the the storytelling self is there. And these stories are about how people learn about the realm of consciousness where there's self and other. And how the self and the other are interacting, those are the stories. And the people in the stories are learning about that. So we study the stories so we can learn the same thing that they did, which is, to wake up to the realm before stories even appear. And there's a lot of stories about teachers trying to guide the student. There's a story, the teachers enacting, the good friends enacting a story with the student, asking the student to go to the place before the story that they're playing out right now occurred. And then the student actually goes there and comes back and tells what it's like to be free for a while. Anything else? Yes.
1: When you were speaking, I was thinking about the, um, how what what allows me to listen for the for the request and what gets in the way of me listening and responding. And um, so I do. I have noticed that when there's any sense of self, it kind of gets in the airwaves, and I can't hear so clearly either what I'm receiving or or, or the request. And um, and so um, I'm so grateful uh, when um, my, in my relationships um, I can that the that people are trying very hard to hear, allow me to hear the request, um, and and trusting that, trusting that listening. So I guess what I wanted to say is last night it was interesting, in the middle of the night I woke up in the night and I had this uh thought, this story, <laughs> this fear, um that I wasn't being a good friend. Like I that somehow um, I wasn't hearing about something in the song about like somehow I, I just felt this feeling, am I being a good friend? You know, use your
0: And even though in a way this that fear got in the way of, of, of really hearing clearly,
1: it also felt like it came from a very um, a genuine desire to, to really be able to hear clearly and to listen and respond skillfully. So I guess um, I'm appreciating your teaching and I, I guess I want to make a request, you know, which is sometimes I can't hear so clearly. Um, and so I really... Want to respond? So if I can't hear something clearly, and you're trying. I'm saying everyone, and you, and you're trying to let something. You're trying to make a request of me. Can you please hang in there, or be more explicit, or really let me know. Yell, scream, because I do want to respond, and I also don't want to. I want to be able to trust and relax and be able to. Um, so it would be helpful for me. to see you
0: can tell me so I thought what you just revealed was um, wondering if you um, were, were being lacking in hearing people's requests. And um, so I think wondering if I'm not hearing people's requests is part of friendship. Another part, and then revealing that I'm wondering is part of friendship. And then if I actually have a perception that I was not listening, then revealing that too. So wondering if I'm not listening to requests, that's part of friendship. And also noticing that I think I missed a chance, I didn't hear a request, or I heard a request, and I didn't see that I responded, Revealing those things would be part of revealing where I do perceive a shortcoming. That's also part of friendship. And um, it doesn't say to reveal and disclose other people's lack of friendship. It doesn't say revealing other people's lack of faith, disclosing other people's lack of practice. It didn't mention that. It's about ourselves. So the friendliness is to reveal our own shortcomings and wondering about our own shortcomings, not wondering about other people's. However, it, it, it would be good if they did the same. And the way, the way to encourage them is to do it ourselves. Or if not doing ourselves, talk about how it, good it would be if we did do it ourselves. I mean, I don't have any shortcomings to report right now, but I, I'm committed to report them if they show up. I think it's really good. It would be really good for me to tell you that, and you might and you might say, I I agree. As a matter of fact, I've been thinking about doing it myself someday, if I ever noticed any. And someone may might say to me, I I don't. I don't. Actually, remember if you asked me to, if you requested me to ask you something, and uh, but I do have a, a question for you. Would you like to hear it? And you say yes. Is would you like me to? Um, would you like me to make requests of you? And you might say yes. <laughs> and they say. I request that you reveal and disclose any lack of, of faith and practice that you have. I'm not saying you have any, but I request that you do. And you might say, I, I, I'll think about that. There's your, that was your response. And then and maybe you do, and, you, and maybe quite quickly you say, I think I would like to do that practice. And they say, great. And you might say, can I ask you a question now? And they say, yeah. And I say, would you like to do the same? And they say, yeah, I would. And you might say, are you saying that to me because you thought I wasn't doing that practice? And they might say, no, actually, I was just trying to set up a friendship with you where we do that together. I, I didn't know if you were doing it or not, but I, I know I want to do it. And I, I want to know if you'd want to do it with me. <coughs> And then we need to usually need to re-issue the the request by inquiring again. Do you still want to do that practice? And then sometimes people say, "Well, actually, it was so rough last time. I I, <laughs> I want a break." But that's a response. You made an inquiry, and they say, "I want I want I want a little a little rest before we start up again," because. Sometimes sometimes the, uh, there's a shock in the, in the requests that people make of us. It's sometimes shocking, or the responses they give us to our request is sometimes shocking. And we don't want to give up the whole project of this friendship, but we sometimes need to recover from uh, how it opened us in certain ways that we're adjusting to. So, so then, this, uh, this relationship aspect that I'm bringing up is practiced together with basic bodhisattva training methods, which are <coughs> generosity, ethical discipline, patience, enthusiasm, concentration and wisdom. So we need to to be working on those things, too, so we have the... well, so we have the generosity and carefulness and patience and energy to make requests and to respond to requests. But the Bodhisattva practice is not just generosity, ethics, patience, energy, concentration, and wisdom. It's to do those practices in friendship. Sometimes you think, oh, do those practices. Isn't that the Bodhisattva training method? Yes, it is. But the training method happens in friendship. Th- these practices are... Th- are part of our service to the friendship. This is the way we pay service to the Buddhas, is by doing these trainings. And and again, doing these trainings in service, then we can listen to the teachings better. And then another element is we have Faith that it would be good to listen to the teachings and good to develop these practices and good to serve the Buddhas. So do I have faith in, in serving the Buddhas? Do I, have, which is, do I have faith in good friendship? Do I have faith in the teachings of the Buddhas? And, I'm a, and do I have faith in serving the Buddhas by friendship? And do I have faith in doing these practices, these Bodhisattva methods, so I can be able to do these you know have this friendship? Was that clear? Yeah. You touch your face and I will call on you. <laughs> Did you want me to call on you? Or you're just touching your face. Uh, So I was curious, uh, when I'm sitting on the subway or I'm walking up stairs to my office, how can I, where are the conscious manifestations of the imperceivable self-receiving
1: and playing samadhi, since that's happening outside of my perception? Or it's not part of its perception of consciousness, Where's the manifestation of that,
0: the good friendship of that as I'm sitting in my office at work? Um, I can't say where where it is, but I, I can say where it might be, okay? Um, when I walk down the streets, uh, Brooklyn, for example, I do not perceive that most of the people on the street are requesting me to adjust their posture. (laughs) (laughs) That's my perception is they have not I do not remember them saying to me asking me for feedback about the way they're walking down the street. But when I go to a Zen center, I sometimes say, would you like, or if people ask me, would you give me feedback on my posture? About how I'm, about my bearing, about my deportment. People ask <laughs> me. So then I perceive, oh, they're requesting. So when I see them, I, I have this perception that they've asked me. But I also have the perception that people forget their requests, so sometimes I check. But I, I, I also know that I, um, I have an inner request to assist people. But I know that, that, that I, they, I may not be able... I have a request, there's an inner request, I feel a request to help people. I feel they're requesting me. or I am being requested inwardly and outwardly to assist people, but I also have a sense of whether they have expressed that request to me. I haven't, perceived, I haven't perceived the request. It's more like, on some inconceivable basis, I feel like everybody wants me to be devoted to them. But until they actually say it in a way that I can perceive, I may not be able to offer anything. So I'm, I'm aware of that, that this, these people have not yet made a request to me. However, I think people want me to be their friends so I might actually walk down the street smiling. And then when I walk down the street smiling, people smile back. And when they smile back, I notice that and smile again, a little bit more intensely. And then it's over. We passed each other. But I am focusing on that one. I'm, I'm focusing on friendship when I walk around Brooklyn, but I notice most people uh, I don't sense that they're asking for, that they're making a request to me. I don't see it in my perceptions. But then I do see it. Some, some of the people on the streets here who I do not know, I sense that they're relating to me. And I don't, uh, so when I, I've been walking around, I've been wearing sort of, uh, un- I have not been walking around in shorts and t-shirt. I've been walking around in uh, outfit that looks a little different, so maybe people look at me a little different. So they make a little request. Re, there's kind of a request. They're like, who are you? <laughs> and then I say back to them who I am the best I can. And uh, So they, they do kind of inquire of me. Not everybody, but a lot of people do kind of like look at me like wondering who I am. And I, and I kind of look back at them like, yeah, well, I, I'm me. I'm, I'm your friend. If I dressed uh differently, I might not get as I might not be making so clear a request, so then they might not respond to me so much. Did that make sense to you yeah. but it it is an ongoing meditation, it's a meditation on friendship as you move around in the world that you're you're aware <laughs> you're aware that you are or are not making a request if you think you're not making a request then you say okay i don't perceive that i'm making a request so in that sense i am out of touch with friendship because in friendship you're making a request and also i don't feel like i'm making a response in friendship you feel like you feel the response there it's not and also it's not like i or them even but in friendship it's going on. If you're going down the street and you think these other people are not making requests of you and you're not making requests of them okay like you know I don't, I don't want anything from you and you don't, you're not asking anything of me. If you're walking down like that you're saying I am not perceiving friendship which is fine. The teaching is that if you perceive no friendship actually There's a realm in which friendship is going on that you're just, and you see no perception of it. But do you remember it? (laughs) People are responding to each other out there, you know? They're making an effort to, you know, like the people who drive the cars are actually, it isn't just because they'll go to jail if they run over somebody, it isn't just because they, uh, it'll take, they'll have to stop and they'll be late for work if they run over for somebody. They actually are trying to not hit people when they're driving the cars. They're making an effort. And the people pushing the strollers, people are actually, they do feel like people are requesting them not to hurt them. And they are responding to that. And, uh, you know, they're making space for each other on the sidewalk. They are doing it. Are they perceiving it? To some extent they are. Are they meditating on it? To some extent they are. Could they do it more? Yes. They could do it more and more and more. And the more they did it, the more they would feel the friendship and the more friendship they felt, the more they feel supported to do it more deeply, more thoroughly. And then by enacting it, by having more and more confidence in it, by having more and more faith in friendship, you open to the reality of it. You realize it, but if you walk from your house to work, and you forget to meditate on friendship the whole time, well, you just then you have then when you get to work, you can reveal and disclose your lack of practicing all the way to work, that you didn't meditate on good friendship as you're spending that time of your of your of your day going from work, but you can, and that's the Buddha. That's the whole of the Buddha way is to meditate on friendship. And friendship means, you know, again, I'm requesting something of you, and you're requesting something of me. And I'm responding to you. I'm responding to everybody all the time. And everybody's responding to me. We're helping each other all the time. I can't see that, but I I believe in that or I don't. Or I believe in it a lot or a little. The more I meditate on it, generally the more I remember that and it, deeper it gets. This is called meditating on friendship. Yes? Did I and we make our request of you by coming to this retreat? Yes. Yeah. And I, and I made a request of you to come to this retreat when I agreed to come come here. Once I said, yes, I'll come then I was kind of requesting you to come. And I actually requested some other people and they didn't seem to come. (laughs) I requested actually everybody in Brooklyn to come, (laughs) but obviously they didn't all come. And if they all had had signed up, we would have had to find a different place to meet. But I actually, when I get here and you're here, I I I say, well, since I came, I'm glad you did. I kind of—it's hard on me when I come someplace and nobody comes to meet me. I, you know, but I'm—I i that I have to deal with that sometimes. That I go someplace to meet somebody and they don't show up. And I thought I asked them to come, and I thought they said they would, and they don't. But they do. You know, they really do. I just can't see it, and I have to go back and remember to be friendly with that situation. So, I requested you to have a response, but also I request that you make requests of me, if you have any. So, at some point anyway, I think it was Greg that called me or wrote to me and requested me to come here this this spring, this summer. Didn't you request? And I responded. in a number of ways. One of the ways I responded was to say yes. Anything else now? How much time before service? Oh, um, a minute ago? A minute ago? <laughs> well, if we could just do that then. I mean... I'm happy. Anything else you want to bring up while, while Ian's lighting the altar? I, I don't perceive that you requested me to say this to you. I don't perceive it. But you might have. And what I'm saying, my response to you is, you look like you understood what I said this morning really well. I don't know if that's so, but I don't know if you asked me to tell you that, but <laughs> <laughs> it, i I felt moved to tell you that you- you you didn't look totally uh mystified by what I said this morning and that that was a response, but also it was a request for you to tell me. Is that so? One person saying yes. <laughs> Two people. Three. Four. Yeah. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.